2: Coming up today on The Story. There was a space in our marriage where I knew my wife wasn't happy. I just didn't seem to have the recipe to make any difference. and I had this thought that maybe my wife needed God would make her happy. uh, You had that thought. I had that thought, yes. I wonder who placed that there. The The Story. G'day,
0: I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, it's always great to hear from a person who's doing something they absolutely love. And that certainly is the case for Russ Harmon. He serves with Life-Saving Chaplaincy Australia. And for several years, he's been able to combine his enjoyment of the great outdoors and beaches with his passion for ministering to people with the love of Jesus. Appropriately, he is outdoors sharing his colourful story with
2: Karen Hunt.
1: What's your background, Russ? And let's maybe take the story forward then to find out how you got to be in this role.
2: Well that's a great question. been coming to the Gold Coast since uh, my earliest memories was about seven or eight with mum and dad to my grandmother's house at Corrumbin. Grew up in Brisbane, went to uh, Evelyn Park High School and then um, did my first year apprenticeship as a bricklayer in Brisbane. And uh, mum and dad moved to the coast when I was 16 and so I completed my apprenticeship on the Gold Coast. Came out of my time at 19 and then got my builder's licence and very much involved in the building game on the Gold Coast.
1: So building, yeah, now building people's lives in a very real way. But going back to your childhood years and your earlier teenage years, was faith a part of your family experience at that time?
2: Not particularly, Karen. Mum and Dad were both raised in the church. My dad was an altar boy in the Anglican church. (laughs) Mum's parents were very prominent in a small church at Wumbai up on the north coast and uh, my grandmother was a Sunday school teacher and my grandfather was the youth leader and uh, but mum and dad sort of strayed away from that dad went to war came back from New Guinea and um, met my mum and um, sort of never really pursued Uh, the christian faith however dad used to tell me that god made everything and that was the limit of my faith experience right up until i um, received christ myself
1: so did you have siblings
2: yes i do i have three siblings an older sister carol then i'm number two and then a brother brent uh, who's 13 months younger and a sister bev who's 19 months younger than brent so four of us
1: so did they all move south as well
2: Yes, we all came lock, stock and barrel from, from Brizzy down to the wonderful Gold Coast. We moved to Corumman which was a beautiful spot.
1: Moving to this part of the country at such an impressionable age, what was life like for you as a young builder?
2: Well, it was, it was great because I was a keen surfboard rider and had been since around 10. I got my first surfboard. And um, living on the beachfront of Currumbin, it was just there it was a bit of a temptation. Hard to go to work when the surf was pumping, but I, uh, the desire for some finances pushed me to go. And um, I would surf before work often. Mum would wave the tea towel, especially in summer. I'd paddle in about 6:30, and uh, been in the water since dawn, and uh, rush around to, the, high, to, to uh, the highway to get picked up by my boss in his truck and. And dropped off at 4, 4.30, and I'd be in the surf till dark. So for me, life was great on the Gold Coast.
1: So waving the tea towel, a red tea towel.
2: It was actually a red checkered one, red and white checks, and I can still see Mum (laughs) standing up at the window. It's now the Elephant Rock Kiosk, or cafe, and the old house is still a part of the upstairs building, and they've got a big deck up there, and you can still see the the roofing and the guttering of our house originally, and Mum used to stand there at the window, wave the towel to catch my attention, to paddle in for breakfast, (laughs) yeah.
1: So were you ever in competitions or was it just for a hobby?
2: No, just a hobby. I just I just loved it. In fact, I had joined the Corumban Surf Lifesaving Club um, at about 17 and I was doing my bronze and almost through it and um, we, we had another group of guys join it and so they put us back to start on day one, which meant I had to go through another several weeks of training and uh, The surf was always pumping and I was on duty, so I quit and just chased the waves.
1: So other than the waves and the beach, what filled your life at that time? Anything else in particular?
2: From the age of, uh, I used to play rugby league for Seagulls, leagues club, um, under 18s, and then I played first grade and represented the local district in rugby league, played a curtain raiser for the Great Britain-Queensland game at Lang Park way back there in the... uh, in the 70s, it was 1970 when I was playing then, and um, um, in the off season, I, I got into weightlifting and uh, to build up for football, and ended up spending two years doing well, I bought into a gymnasium in Surface called Bob's Gym at the age of 20 and entered into physique contests and won a a couple of state titles and a national title as a junior bodybuilder. Wow,
1: the things you learn.
2: Yeah, I don't speak about that too much. I was a bit of a poser. Some say I still am.
1: (laughs) That's a classic. So surfing, rugby, the weightlifting, the gym, the bodybuilding. Wow. So what happened in your life at that time to lead you to a major decision that's affected the rest of your life?
2: Well, Karen, I guess um, at 25 and a half, I met the girl of my dreams, my current wife, my one and only wife, Jenny. We were married in 1977. We were married for two years. I built our first home. In fact, halfway through it when we did get married. And um, there was a space in our marriage where I knew my wife wasn't happy. I just didn't seem to have the recipe to to make any difference. And she was raised in a Catholic environment. Her mum attended church, but I never sort of asked any questions. I didn't realise it was uh, it was a non-Catholic church that she was going to now. But um, I had this thought that maybe my wife needed God would make her happy. <laughs> and
1: uh, you had that thought.
2: I had that thought. Yes. I wonder who placed that there and thought I was okay. I didn't sort of need God. I had my own sort of belief system, which was a conglomerate of many things, a little bit of Eastern religion chucked in and UFOs, you name it. I had a weird collection of beliefs, but um, I thought I was okay. And uh, so I encouraged my wife to go along to church with her mum. We were holidaying up in Innisfail near Cairns, and she had to fly back. She was a hockey player, um, played A-grade hockey in Mwoolumbaugh, having come from Wollongbaugh, and so uh, she flew back a week before me. So I thought, well, this is an opportunity to send her along to church and I wouldn't have to go. So I said, well, look, why don't you go and check out your mum's church, see that it's not a cult or something. (laughs) And uh, so she did. Meanwhile, while I was up there in North Queensland, my dad was also visiting my brother who was living up there at the time and we were staying with him. And uh, my dad went to see a mate of his who witnessed to him about the uh, being born again, receiving Christ as His saviour, and um, when my dad came home, I connected with him while we are up there, and I said, "Dad, did you see your mate?" He said, "Yes." He said, I said, "How was he?" He said, "I'm not sure." I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "I think he's been out in the sun too long. <laughs> it wasn't very flattering for his mate, who was a, a surveyor with the government." And uh, I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Oh, well, he tells me that he's." received Christ as his saviour, he's become a Christian, and uh, he's been born again, and my dad and I were not aware of those terms. So my father was quite stumped as to how to receive the uh, conversation that Jeff Heim, I believe he's passed away now, but he was a member of the Full Gospel Businessman's Fellowship International, mm-hmm. and he gave my dad a book called The Happiest People on Earth by Demos Shakerian, the founder, and my dad read the book in a day. And I asked my dad what he thought of the book. My dad said, well, it was okay," but he was noncommittal. Now, my dad was an ex-bank manager, very much a cognitive thinking person. But I picked the book up. Um, It was too wet to go fishing, and I had a week extra up in in North Queensland where there's some great fishing, and uh, it's another one of my hobbies, is fishing. And uh, I started to read about this man's experience. Uh, He had the largest milking uh, dairy herd in the United States at the time, something like 3,000 milking cows. and He talked about praying and prayers being answered, and uh, I thought to myself, boy, it would be great if God was like that, that you could actually be sure that he was real. And they were just the thoughts that I had while I was up there. Meanwhile, 1,100 miles away on the Gold Coast, my wife was actually going to church with her mum, and her very first time in a church, she received Jesus as a saviour. And uh, she went two Sundays in a row and I got home on the Monday night. But there was something exciting in my heart and I couldn't wait to find out if my wife went to church, which was weird for me. When I got back on the Gold Coast, reunited with my wife, I said to my wife, did you go to church? And she said she did. And I said, how was it? She said, it was great. I said, well, how can church be great? You know, I mean, what do you mean? And she explained the service and the young people that were at the service and... uh, And I thought, wow, um, I've got to check this out. She also told me that she'd received Jesus as a saviour. So I had to go and check it out. (laughs) Karen, I was very uh, sceptical as I walked into this particular church and uh, uh, saw the singing, people raising their hands, and um, I stood there with my arms folded. But I, I know this one thing. I thought to myself, if God is real, this is about the closest I've ever been to him. There was a sense of his presence. I could describe it like that now. I did not understand it at the time. And at the end of that service, they made an altar call for those who would like to receive Jesus. The minister said, I'm not asking you or inviting you to join this church or any other church, but I'm inviting you to join the family of God to receive Jesus as your saviour. And I thought to myself, well, I want to know if God's real. So I'm going to go out there and find him.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is outdoors and having a chat with Russ Harmon, who serves with Life-Saving Chaplaincy Australia. We've just heard how he and his wife became Christians. Next, we're going to hear the impact this has had on his life when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and you're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is outdoors and having a chat with Russ Harmon, who serves with Life-Saving Chaplaincy Australia. Before the break... We heard about Russ's colourful life before becoming a Christian. Next, we'll hear how his life has become even more interesting as he's gotten involved in many different types of ministries.
1: Having seen the change that becoming a Christian had on your wife, that one decision for you to become a Christian,
2: yeah, the impact. Tell us more. Karen, the impact that it had instantly, I I guess when you you come to a realisation that God is real, and he became very real for me that first night I received him as my saviour. God seems to push the replay button of your life and you remember back and you start to see the patience that God's had with you in how he's been drawing you and we know that through his foreknowledge he predestines us. He knows our decisions that we're going to make and his grace covers the, the many blunders that I made and everybody else who's ever found Christ has made as well. And I remembered a time when I was eight years of age, um, living in Rockhampton from Brisbane in the early years and from after I was born in Brizzy. My dad was transferred up to Innisfail and uh, then back to Rockhampton. And when I was going to the school in Rockhampton at the age of eight, we lived next door to a church. And my grandmother, who was mum's mum, we used to call our religious grandmother, who was very active in that little church at Wumbai. Uh, my grandfather died at an early age of leukemia when Mum and Dad were still engaged, so I never met him. My grandmother came to stay with us at Rockhampton, and she asked if I would accompany her to church, so she decided she'd go to the church next door. We never went, and uh, I found myself saying, okay, Nan, I'll come. So I went to the Sunday school, which was out in the back, and they had the old felt stick-on pictures of Joseph, and you can put them on the donkey and all that. I thought that was cool. And then... After it finished, we had to meet in the main church. So I went in there to meet with my grandmother, and she'd given me a little Bible, and I had a hold of this Bible. And uh, I got to the front of the church. It was a bit, a bit um, overawing. It was sort of uh, everyone was in there sitting down, and I saw her look back to try and spot me and I saw where she was so I'm walking down the aisle of this church and joined her in the seat well when I got home from church she says to my mother in her pommy accent Betty I think Russell's going to be a minister (laughs) and I didn't really understand what on earth she was talking about but you know she never let up on that and she continually used to say that to me Uh, many times when I was 12 and 13 a real little rogue she would go you know, Russell, I always thought you'd be a minister. I used to think, well, silly old chook. And I wasn't very gracious with my nan. And uh, But she lived to see me converted uh, 91 when she died. And um, she literally didn't realize it, but she was prophesying what God had sown in her heart. And so I remembered back after being a, becoming a Christian, I remembered how God was shaping me and drawing me and reaching out for me over those many years. And from that point on, after being becoming a Christian, I really um, was totally excited about um, my new life in him. Um, I'd lived for myself. I knew there was something more, and uh, I felt I'd found the beginnings of a new adventure. It wasn't long. Three months, I think, I was a Christian, and I found myself helping out at youth on a Saturday night. A 19-year-old fellow was running it, I was 28, as I said, at the time, and so I would help him every Saturday night, rounding up kids and often bringing them to the church. We were out in the sticks a bit in those days. And
1: so he needed your maturity, hey?
2: <laughs> I don't know if he needed my maturity. He certainly was further down the track with his knowledge of Christ and uh, but I enjoyed it, and I, uh, so I found myself getting involved straight away. Eventually became a, a home leader or assistant home leader and led worship at church, and men with prophetic ministries used to come through our church and seemed to pick on me all the time and say, shepherd's heart, shepherd's heart, you know, and, and it was evident to the ministry team that I had a calling on my life, of which my grandmother must have detected when I was eight. And uh, so... In 1985, I've, I went to Bible college and, and uh, laid down my building career uh, and came full-time in 1987.
1: So when you were 28, first deciding to become a Christian as such, did you ever really think at that time that you'd become the minister that your grandma was speaking of?
2: Oddly enough, um, I did. In fact, it was only about two weeks after making that decision, I was walking out to the car park which was behind the church building And this very strong impression or thought popped into my head, one day you will lead this church. And that sort of scared me. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, well, that's crazy. Why should I be thinking that? But, you know, when God sows a word, if it's from him, it it finds ground in your heart. And it stayed there. And so he continually confirmed it through different ministries and our local pastor. And it was very evident that that's where God was calling me.
1: So, did you have time to still go surfing during this stage?
2: Yeah, I did. I used to. Um, I used to probably, um, from the time I got married, my surfing took a second, uh, like a back seat. I did, however, continue with my fishing, and often used to go fishing after work before going into the ministry. But I've maintained an outdoor lifestyle. Um, we go camping every Christmas in a tent at Hastings Point. We've done that for 27 years. And we'll be doing it again this Christmas, God willing. So um, my wife is a great outdoors person as well. And, uh, but I can't get up on a surfboard at the age of 60, well, coming up to 63 this year. And my knees are the... Uh, I have the legacy of football. And my knee doesn't work and want to get me up on a surfboard. So these days I concentrate more on fishing than, than surfing.
1: I'm interested to know about your family. You say we. So who's in your family other than your wife?
2: Well, my wife and I were trying for 10 years for children. There was no medical reason why we couldn't have them, but uh, God led us on an interesting journey. We found ourselves, while we were waiting for children, having a home full of love, 10 years of marriage, but still no kids. Um, So we fostered. We we entered the foster program. We were asked to take on uh, two little children, a brother and sister, two and four, and they were going to be long-term fosters, which we did, Christopher and Jennifer. And about, um, I don't know, 12 months after we had the two little ones, um, my wife fell pregnant with Emma, so no kids for 10 years, and then after a couple of years we had three. So my wife needs a medal. And, um, And then after eight years of fostering Christopher and Jennifer, we were able to adopt them. Now Jennifer is 30, Christopher's 28, and Emma's turning 25 on the 4th of July.
1: Well, a very special family heritage. It's my privilege to be chatting with Russ Harmon. He's the National Leader of Life-Saving Chaplaincy Australia. What a great story, Russ. Thanks so much for your time with me this morning.
2: It's my pleasure, Karen. It's great fun.
1: Well, you've just been giving me an outline of your early years, of your family, of your love of the great outdoors and of becoming an ordained minister in your local church. Now, being a bit of a beach lover yourself, You said you did have time to still do the surfing thing, but beach activities and church activities, how did they go together?
2: Well, obviously, the time frame, um, when your kids have time off, it's weekends. And quite often, Sundays, obviously, is being on staff. All day Sunday is spent at church, just about. However, Saturdays I've guarded zealously, and the kids love the beach, and so my surfing took a back seat. Although... You know, I used to take the kids down to the surf and push them on my surfboard and, and taught them how to stand up and that was always a lot of fun. So always had an affinity with the ocean, living on the Gold Coast since I was 16 and appreciated the uh, surf lifesavers because we had our kids swim between the flags, which is great. Well done. <laughs> and, uh, we, um, uh, except when I had my surfboard, obviously, you couldn't have that between the flags. But um, we had a lot of fun on the beach in those days. While the kids were little, We every Christmas camped at Hastings Point where we, it's right on the headland, we surfed, we fished, we swam. It was just, you know, the kids just about grew gills. I already have them. (laughs) I can see. (laughs) (laughs) I need to grow a beard to actually cover them over.
1: (laughs) No, 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 just a part of you.
2: (laughs) That's fantastic. Well,
0: that was part one of Karen Hunt's conversation with outdoorsman Russ Harmon. And it was great to hear how he's been able to combine his love for the outdoors and beaches with his passion for ministering to people with the love of Jesus. Once again, it's wonderful to hear about people who are doing exactly what God has called them to do, and they're able to serve Him doing what they are most passionate about. As the Bible says, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And if you'd like to learn more about Life Saving Chaplaincy Australia, You can go to their website, lifesavingchaplaincy.com.au. That's lifesavingchaplaincy.com.au. Well, once again, we invite you to join us again next time for part two of our chat with Russ Harmon. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
2: The surf lifesaving world is an amazing Movement. It's an incredible organisation and it's very family-oriented. It's been such a great, I guess, learning curve for me, never being involved in Surf Lifesaving growing up, like many of the people I serve have been in it all their life. They're such good people. There's many of them that actually are prepared to lay down their life or risk their life to save the life of someone they don't even know.
0: Russ Harmon from Lifesaving Chaplaincy Australia joins us once again to share more about how he combines his love for the outdoors with his passion for ministering to people with the love of Jesus. That and more, next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.